episode three already? Hey y'all, it's Lens. This is episode three of the brand spanking new podcast called Oddly Adulting. Lovingly named by my very favorite Yankee in the whole world, my friend Sherry. Sherry is the anonymous friend I mentioned in episode one who gave me the name idea after I had thrown out um, another potential and not nearly as cool sounding name. And so um, I have her blessing to speak her name into the airwaves. So I definitely wanted to make sure that I gave real and true credit where credit is due. So Sherry, you know, you're my favorite Yankee. Thank you. Actually, is it okay if I call you a Yankee? Because I think you're actually a Mets fan, right? So maybe I'm, I, th- I might be committing some kind of unintentional faux pas there. But this joke, of course, exists because I am from the deep, deep South. And Sherry is from New York. And so when we get together, it is a really fun um, juxtaposition of accents that um, I, think it's, I think it's pretty entertaining for those that are around us. Um, Sherry and I are both members of a group of ladies who met online and we met online because we were all due to have a baby in the month of November in the year of 2007. And so we were the November 07 birth club on a website that I don't even think really functions anymore, but, um, not in the way it functioned for us anyway, but, um. It was called Baby Center. I guess there probably still is a Baby Center, but it's apparently full of scary internet trolls now. And back when we were on it, it was just, you know, just nice people wanting to talk about their doctor's appointments and (laughs) all kinds of stuff. But anyway, again, I thank you, Sherry, for the addition of um, of the name for the podcast. So I hope to see you soon. We need to get planning another one of our meetups. So we're on episode three already, which is kind of unbelievable because like five days ago, this podcast didn't even exist, but I'm just riding that excitement, that wave of something new excitement. So I told my husband, you know what? I'm going to go do a podcast tonight. And he was like, you know what? You go do that. (laughs) I think he's really appreciating the, um, 25 to 35 minutes of quiet that he gets in in the evening when I, for two nights in a row, have disappeared to go do a podcast. So he's probably going to continue to encourage that. Apparently living in a house full of women is maybe like loud or something. I don't remember. I couldn't exactly make out what he was saying about it. Um, There's a lot of noise in the background. (laughs) But anyway, he's a good man. Um, So I kind of figure to continue on the odd theme. I mean, that's, that's clearly a theme, obviously. But I, um, since, you know, maybe there's a stranger out there listening who doesn't know too much about me. I'm going to, um, continue to tell you some like odd, odd, weird stuff about myself. And so, um, I thought I would tell you about some of the odd jobs that I've had as an adult. Um, mostly because I don't, I can't recall that I had any odd jobs as a child, um, like including chores. My mom didn't really think that we should have to do chores because she felt like maybe school, you know, should be our job. And so she didn't, 
want us to have to come home and do a bunch of chores too, which if I'm like, I'm never going to tell my kids that first of all, (laughs) because they definitely have chores as a stay at home family. We need them to do chores because, um, anyone who homeschools or works from home or is a stay at home mom or a stay at home dad or whatever, if you spend any amount of time at home, your house is trashed basically 24 seven. The, the only way I can keep my house clean is for us to leave it. So my kids definitely do chores, but I didn't really have to do chores or odd jobs growing up. So I don't really have anything much to report about that. I did work at a vet clinic when I, I back in high school at, at one point in time, I thought I wanted to be a vet And so my parents were like, oh, well, you should get a job at a vet clinic and then you can find out, um, you know, if you like it. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I, I did, I got a job at a vet clinic and I was a, basically a vet tech, um, at one, I, I had over the course of a couple years, I actually had two jobs at vet clinics. One of them, I was mostly a vet tech and, um. I would go into the room with the, with the vet, you know, and like hold the dog and like hold, you know, let the cat bite me or whatever. <laughs> what I was also, I'm allergic to cats. So this didn't really work out that great. That's probably one of the reasons I'm not a vet. Cause I was allergic to cats and I had to take Benadryl almost every day at work. So, um, but then at, I, later I got an, a second job at another vet clinic across town and they actually hired me to be their groomer, which y'all, I had no experience grooming at all. So to the, I can't remember now. I mean, I wonder, I don't think I lied to them and said that I had grooming experience, but I'm, I'm still to this day a little unsure why they hired me to be a groomer. Cause I didn't have any grooming experience. I, I had bathing, bathing dogs experience and the really unsavory task of expressing anal glands, um, which I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. Um, if you have a pet, you know what I'm talking about. And then, um, like clipping toenails. So that job was terrible. It was very short lived. And by that point in time, I had definitely decided I didn't want to be a vet. But anyway, uh, that's, is that's really as far as my odd jobs in high school extends. But when I got to college and then a little bit beyond, I have had a few odd jobs. So, um, maybe we could, maybe I should name this episode, like the oddest resume or something like that, or an odd resume. (laughs) I don't want to pigeonhole myself to having to put odd in, in the title of things or like not every episode is going to be about something odd, but this one definitely is. So, um, the work program. So I went to a college that has a very, um, I think it's helpful, useful. I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for here. There, there's a work program. Okay. So every freshman on campus, if they opt to, they are offered a job in the work program and some huge percentage of kids. It was a, nearly everyone I knew was on the work program. Um, it was a private college, so it was kind of expensive. Um, so like my, my dad told me, you know, you're not getting spending money from me. If you want gas in your car or food, that's not part of the meal plan. You're going to have to have a job. So I definitely was not, I enrolled in the work program And the first job that I was assigned was housekeeping and I got assigned housekeeping on the floor that I lived on in my dorm. 
which meant that basically I had, I was being paid to clean the toilets on my hall and the showers and do the vacuuming. And I hated it. (laughs) I hated every second of it. Oh my goodness. It was so bad. It was a, a very, very old building. It looked like a castle, which was the cool part. But that meant that these toilets and these tubs and these tiles on the floor had been around for a long time. A lot of dirty feet had walked on those floors. And so it felt like the most pointless job in the world because I would clean the bathroom. It would take me, you know, a couple hours to clean the whole bathroom. Would not look like I had done a thing. (laughs) So I very quickly started looking for a new job. And um, one of my friends down the hall had gotten a job with... Um, what was called Telefund. And so it was, I thought, an awesome job because it was in the evenings from 6 to 9 p.m. And y'all back me up on this. When you were in college, did you accomplish anything worthwhile from 6 to 9 p.m.? Like, if I didn't, ever, never. There was absolutely nothing productive happening between these hours. Um, I can, a lot of the stuff that I can remember doing between 6 and 9 p.m. would be things like taking a really long time to walk back from the dining hall and including one time when, um, my, a friend of mine asked me to, we were in the middle of a prank war. This is my freshman year, obviously. We were in the middle of a prank war with each other and, um, uh, we, I was trying to think of like what my next prank would be. So she had made a sandwich in the dining hall. She'd asked me to bring it back to the, to the dorm for her. And so me and we didn't have, okay, this is before smartphones. We didn't have cameras in our pocket, but there was three or four of us walking back. And I said, Ooh, ooh, let's take her, let's take her sandwich apart and like lay it all out on the grass and then like put it back together and then give it back to her. (laughs) Like, I was horrible at coming up with pranks, in case you can't tell. (laughs) I don't think I ever came up with a good prank. Anyway, she was not happy, so I had to apologize about that later. But anyway, that's an example of the kind of things that got done between 6 and 9 p.m. There was also a very long-lived period of time where girls were doing the Cotton-Eyed Joe in the hallway and doing it to the rendition that was recorded by the group called Rednecks with an X. Rednecks. Mm, So anyway, nothing, nothing productive happened between 6 and 9 p.m. So I was like, yes, this job sounds awesome. So we, um, she got me, she got me like hired or whatever, told her supervisor. And so from 6 to 9 p.m., we would go down to the basement of the administrative building on campus. And we were telemarketers basically for the college, which to me now in retrospect, I laugh about because when I get the, I get the calls now from Telefund as an alum. And every time they call, I, I like feel the need to tell them I used to work your job. It's a hard job, you know, good luck, whatever. Okay. It was not a hard job. Well, I don't mean that it was hard, but it was really hard. There was very little success because guess who they had us calling for the first three months of the school year? (laughs) They had us calling current students' parents for for more money. Why? Why? Why would you call current students' parents? Like, this university is costing these parents 
exorbitant amounts of money, but you're going to have us call and ask them to send more. It was so pointless. So you, you hardly ever had anybody that wanted to make a donation ever, but you could, you could win uh, what they called bonus money. Okay. Every night, Pam, our supervisor had four $5 bills and she would give, and those were the bonus money. And you could, only one person could, could win each five. And the categories were like, um, most number of donations, most money donated, largest donation, and then most highest number of calls made. Guess which one I always was going for. Oh yeah. Speed dialer. I was always gunning for the most number of calls made (laughs) because the other ones were so pointless. They were not giving you any money. Their kids were already bleeding their wallets dry. Um, but it was a fun job. We had a lot of fun there, but it was definitely odd to say like, I was a telemarketer for my college. I don't, I haven't heard of any other college kid having this job for their own college. So I think it's kind of fun and odd. One time, one night I called, like I said, I was calling, um, current students, parents. And so the phone rang and the person picked up and I said, hi, this is Lindsay calling from such and such college. And the parent is like, "Ugh, what did he do this time? And I was like, what? Um, I'm sorry. I'm this, I'm actually calling from telephone. And she's like, Oh, I thought maybe you were the Dean of students calling me again because my son was in trouble. And I said, Oh no, uh, I don't think he's in trouble. Not that I know of. And then I was like, just out of curiosity, what did he get in trouble for? (laughs) She said, oh, he got caught rappelling out his dorm room. (laughs) And I was like, all right, that's a new one. Okay. So that was memorable. Well, I told you that story to tell you this story, and then I'm going to move on to a different job. But couple weeks after that, it was way past curfew. And I went down the hall at some really stupid hour, like 1am or something, because I wanted to borrow my friend Kelly's muffin tin and uh, to make muffins, because obviously I needed muffins. It was 1am. And so I knock on her door and she opens it and she's like, come in quick. And so I come in and she closes the door and I look and lo and behold, kid you not, there is a dude repelling out her window. <laughs> and I'm like, I know you. I talked to your mom on the phone a couple weeks ago when I called her from telephone and she thought I was calling to report that you were in trouble again. So you better get a move on. (laughs) It was awesome. All right. So telephone in college was like my first experience with an odd job. So then I got married and I got married. We got married when we were 20. I had just barely turned 20. So, um, now we had to like make some real money to support ourselves. So I didn't live on campus anymore. Obviously we had to move off campus, but I don't, I I could not tell you, I don't remember how I got this job. I don't remember if maybe I saw a posting about it somewhere on campus. Could not tell you because it was the strangest, the strangest job I've ever had. And my train's about to go by. So you might get to hear the train whistle here in a second. Here it comes. Um, so I had a job working for a radiation shielding manufacturing plant (laughs) and hello train. 
And my job, okay, mind you, I'm an English major and an education minor. And I'm still a college student. I'm 20 years old. I have absolutely no experience with anything related to construction, building materials, radiation, um, none of it. I, I somehow got hired to this job where my job was to sit in a little office, which had been formerly a closet, so it didn't have any windows, to download CAD drawings of medical facilities off of a website where the contractors were looking for bids for the projects. And then my job was to read the blueprints, determine where and how much radiation shielding the medical building needed, and then quote them, like draw up a quote of what we would be able to offer them for the job. Y'all, I can't even tell you now, like (laughs) now that I'm a fully grown adult, I have, I have no idea whether I ever, ever did anything at this job correctly. (laughs) I'm not even sure I understood at the time what all of the terms meant that I was having to use in these quotes, like the amount of lead shielding in, was it in millimeters? Was it in my crumb? I have no idea. I don't, I can't remember anymore. It's been too long ago. But I would, I would sit in this little closet um, for hours and hours. I think I worked, I was hired for 20 hours a week. So I worked 20 hours a week. I'd sit in my little office for 20 hours a week and I would read blueprints and I would somehow put together some semblance of a quote. And I have to this day, I have no idea if anyone ever hired us as a basis, at, like based on what, what I quoted them or if they were accurate or anything like that. But I do... I do know that um, that there was a, a hospital being built in the in the local area, um, uh, not just a hospital. It was a um, a hospital was building onto their cancer treatment center, and they were going to be putting this enormous radiation vault or something. Not vault. That's not the right. Well, maybe vault is the right word. I don't know. It's the one where it's the it's the room that you have to go into if you're getting chemo or radiation. Can't remember which. I guess radiation. That makes sense. Yep. Radiation shielding. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to call it radiation. If you're getting radiation treatments it, in the amount that it was high enough that it was toxic to other people, you would have to go in this room that was basically like a sarcophagus and it had six feet thick concrete walls and then, it's, and then it had like two inches of lead shielding on the inside. It was crazy. So... I'm going to assume, I did a quote for them. So I'm going to assume that my legacy as the radiation shielding manufacturing plants, quote, writer, that I got them the job, right? We're going to assume that because why wouldn't they want to shop local (laughs) for all their lead shielding needs? (laughs) Oh my. All right. So that brings me to the oddest job. I've had yet, which is when we lived in Croatia. So I briefly mentioned we lived overseas for two years. We lived one year in England and we lived one year, almost one year in Croatia. We came home um, a little ahead of of being there a full year because I was um, expecting a baby and the baby was going to come and I didn't want to have the baby in Croatia. Uh, So, um, 
so we were living in Croatia. We were working as missionaries, but we were not working as like, we weren't like street evangelists, you know, like standing on a box, thumping a Bible, but we were working on a practical project to get a ship into ministry, sailing around the world. And if you want to know more about this ship, you can look it up. The name of the, you can Google it. Um, The name of the mission organization is called Operation Mobilization. But if you just type into Google the letters O-M and then the word Logos, which is spelled L-O-G-O-S, and then Hope, H-O-P-E. So O-M, Logos, Hope. That's the name of the ship. And so we were living in the village for a good portion of the time we were there. And then we were actually living on the ship later. But during the time that we were living in the village, and then what we would do is we would ride a van every day to the shipyard. And my husband was doing um, work on the ship, physical work on the ship. He was one of the people that was responsible for building out the IT network on the ship. So my job was to be, I was the office manager uh, in the shipyard. Again, this is a job I had absolutely no credentials for, had never, ever worked in office management, did not know the first thing about managing an office. Furthermore, did not know the first word of Croatian. (laughs) So every morning we would drive in our van with our team. You know, there'd be like 12 of us crammed into a little Toyota van Uh, and we would get to the shipyard and we would go through and we would say, you know, good morning, good morning to all the people and everybody, just so you know, everybody in Croatia is either named Boris or Igor. I'm not lying. Uh, and they all have, everything ends in like, like we would joke about, we would say, Velkomsky to Splitsky, Hrvatsky. Croatsky, like every, it seems like everything ends in ski. Anyway, I didn't know any Croatian. I didn't even know enough. All I knew how to say was in the morning, you would say, instead of saying hello, you would say bog and bog is the shortened. It There's some longer phrase that means go with God. And it's like there, it's kind of like how we say bye. They say go with God, but they also say it for hello. They say it for hello and go bye, but they don't even say the whole thing. They just say bog which I don't even know which half of the phrase, if that's the go or the with or the God, I don't even know which one it stands for. Anywho. Oh gosh, I did it again, y'all. I said anywho. I have to figure out how to get that out of my vocabulary. Where did that come from? I also probably say um about 6,000 times every episode. So my apologies. We would show up to the shipyard every day. And every day it would be my job to do something that I had absolutely no idea how to do, like filing hot work permits. That meant that somebody, some welder would come into the office and say, uh, I need to weld, uh, the thingamajig to the whatchamadoodle on deck eight. And so then I would have to scurry around and I would have to get a piece of paper out and I'd have to write down where the, you know, where on the ship they were going to be welding because that that was the hot work, obviously. And then you had to have a permit for it. And then I would have to go over to Boris's office and get Boris to sign it. And then I had to come back and put it somewhere, you know, to show that we were allowed to be welding, that kind of stuff. Anytime we had somebody that was new on the team, um, they had to have 
um, an ID for the shipyard. And so I would have to escort them over to Boris's office and then like really awkward sign languagey because everybody in Croatia speaks a little bit of English, but Boris, he spoke like a little, he spoke like a teeny amount of English. And so I would have to escort the person over and I would have to, you know, be like, Boris, hi, Bog, um, he needs an ID, picture made. Can you? <laughs> I probably sounded so, I mean, you know how Americans are. Americans are so bad and awkward when we go overseas. It's not a joke. It's for real. And so I was trying really, I tried really hard not to be that way, but I'm sure that just as a person from America and with the accent that I have, I probably just was like, he just probably hated me. But <laughs> luckily there was enough of a language barrier that I will never know if he actually did hate me. But, um, so I would have to do stuff like that. Um, there was a period of time that there was a stray kitten that I was in charge of. Um, I would have to, they would, they would say the, the guys on the ship would be like, Hey, um, I was, I was supposed to have received this thing in shipment number, whatever. And so then I would have to go into this massive warehouse and hunt through boxes to see if I could find their whatever that was in the shipment, such and such. It was a job that just, if you've ever had a job that you just feel really like you're doing a terrible, terrible job. And you know, and you know what I'm talking about? That's what this job felt like. So then finally I was like begging them, guys, please don't make me be office manager anymore. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, it doesn't make sense. The guys are coming to me and they're like, I need a 12 by 12 piece of three fourths inch steel. Can you call around town and find me one? And like the idea of having to do that still now makes me want to cry. <laughs> so I was I was finally able to hand that job off to someone else. Someone new joined the team. And um, I was like, please make him office manager. If I have to file one more hot work permit, I'm I'm just going to lose my mind. So after that, they gave me a job that was much more my style, which was that I was the hospitality coordinator. And that meant that when we had a team of workers coming, I had to figure out where they were going to stay, how many beds I needed, um, and then sometimes that meant I had to go out in town and I had to look at rental properties and stuff, which spoiler alert, I'm a realtor now. I wonder if this could be why, hmm. Um, there's lots of reasons probably why, but I'm a realtor now, but that was stuff that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed getting to go out and look around town and it always felt kind of like a treasure hunt, like trying to find places that people could stay. And then, um, I would go get them at the airport. I would pick them up at the airport and, um, you know, show them where they were staying, bring them to the shipyard, hand them off to the new office manager so they could get them the IDs and things like that. So it was a job that was much better suited to me. And I did that job for several months until finally some families with some kids showed up. Um, the mostly the dads, most of the moms didn't work. Um, the dads, finally we had enough um, we had people moving there who we needed the dad to do some particular job on the ship. And so we actually had some families moving into town. And so once we got some families and once we got some kids, then we had a little school population. And so finally, finally, at the very, very tail end of the two years that we were gone, I finally got to do some teaching overseas, which was supposed, I was supposed to have been doing that the whole time, but 
it was what it was. You can't really control the timeline of a massive project like that. So I spent, I spent most of the time that we were over there not teaching, but I did eventually get to do that in the end. But you know what? If I had just been teaching, that wouldn't have been as cool of a story, right? As how I used to have to go and, um, make sure that people were welding legally on a ship in Croatia. So I'm glad it made, it made for a cooler story and a cooler memory. So yeah, that's probably, that's probably the extent of it. I can't think of anything I've done since that's been as odd as either of those two things, but I enjoyed, um, I've always enjoyed having a job. And so, um, jokingly when I told my best friend that I was going to go to real estate school, um, she's known me now almost 12 years. She said, well, I mean, you've never really been a stay at home mom. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like the second I started staying home, I kept trying to find a job that I could do, but still stay home. I wanted to be able to stay home, but I still wanted to have a job. So I've had a lot of jobs, but most of them have not been odd, but there's a little sampling of some of the jobs that I did that were odd. Um, that's it. I've now been talking 29 minutes. That feels embarrassing. So I think I'm going to sign off for the night. And before I go, I'm going to mention that my intro music, which is free for me to use online, is by a composer named Kevin McLeod. And the name of the song is Winner Winner. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you made it all the way through, I love ya. And God does too.